0: welcome back to bossa king sports extravaganza brought to you by bucky's fifth quarter and you know uh, obviously being part of bucky's fifth quarter talking a lot of wisconsin badgers news this upcoming sunday will be media day along with some of the i believe it's a family fest uh, fun fest that they have yearly uh and uh, i know he'll be there but he's also at the big 10 media days that happened thursday and friday of this past week we have BadgerNation.com's Ben Wargle on there, and Ben, welcome back. I haven't talked to you in a while on the show, and uh, first off, congratulations, and how is the newest addition of the family doing?
2: It's the American dream. She eats, sleeps, and poops. Who wouldn't want to do that every day? Um, she's great. <laughs> it keeps us busy, and uh, we couldn't have time to bear because the wife is off during August for fall camp, so I'll be able to camp out at Camp Randall without any worries in the world.
0: Lovely. Lovely. And, you know, obviously camp is coming up soon and uh with media days coming up next Sunday and then that's what starts camp on the way to September 5th with Alabama in Dallas, which I'm still hoping to grab a ticket and a flight down there for. But this past weekend we had some some big news obviously yesterday uh, with the news of Missouri wide receiver of Kansas City A.J. Taylor and uh, a very intriguing prospect committing to Wisconsin and, and really having a, a unique way of committing to Wisconsin with a family tradition. It seems like, uh, can you describe, uh, just, uh, Taylor's commitment, but also what he'll bring to Wisconsin?
2: Yeah. He played a game of uh, collegeopoly and, uh, he landed on the, the park place of Wisconsin or the boardwalk of Wisconsin and that was his choice. I thought it was kind of unique, uh, how he decided to make his commitment known. I mean, you have a lot of these kids who, who just go to the commitment ceremony, have a bunch of hats on the table and you know, you pick one hat, and you put it on, it's over, you deke a couple hats and, and then you are picking one. This this was unique and you know, to make it uh make it on Sports Center and make it on the Sports Center Twitter feed as well, you know, that that's good for him. That's also some nice publicity for you know, for Wisconsin and you know, you look at A.J. Taylor, a, a tremendous athlete with good upside. I mean, he's he's arguably the top prospect in the state of Missouri for this upcoming recruiting class. And you look at the recruiting landscape for Wisconsin, I believe, of their 16 commits, they've come from 11 different states, but still nine rooted in the Midwest and kind of that Big Ten footprint. And I include Missouri you know, in the Big Ten footprint. So... You look at Paul Christen and the way that they're recruiting, they're they're going still heavy in the Midwest, which is key. And I think that was missing uh, under the Gary Anderson era um, where you kind of surround, you know, you you recruit, obviously, the top caliber players in state, but then you, you know, don't look at those in the minds of others, you know, those plan B guys in state, like a Mason Stokey or a Tyler Biadaz, really good athletes right in your backyard. You probably would pass on as the old staff and, you know, good kids out of Minnesota, Ohio, uh, obviously now out of Missouri with Taylor and uh, he's a little bit undersized, but I think he has a great potential to be a slot guy and he's learning still the wide receiver position. He does so many different things and you know he really is a, a high caliber athlete and I think once he learns one position he can get even better. Uh doesn't have tremendous top end speed, but still good quickness, good elusiveness. And I think he had a, just just a, a touch under 1,500 all-purpose yards last year. So, guys, very comfortable making plays, comfortable with the ball in his hand, and th- this is a good pickup for Wisconsin. And I tweeted this out, too, on Saturday. Wisconsin, arguably, this spring class, got top quarterback target, its top running back target, and its top wide receiver target. That's pretty
1: impressive for Paul Crest. Well, well that, not,
0: bad.
1: I, I, not bad at all. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, <laughs> think that that Paul Chris is doing a great job. I just want to get this out of the way, though, because we haven't had a chance to talk in a while. And there's been a lot of, I, I think, unnecessary uh, discussion about the high standards of Wisconsin and how they can't compete, you know, because of, uh, over the last couple of years they haven't been able to get some of the kids in that they wanted to get in. So my question to you is, do you think that, I I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway for the people who wanted to ask. Do you think Wisconsin needs to relax their standards to be competitive? I think they've been competitive just fine with the way things are.
2: I I spoke to Barry Alvarez on on Thursday. He had a great quote when this question was asked to him. He said, well, let's see. We've been to three Rose Bowls, and we were in the national championship game for basketball last spring with back-to-back Final Four. So basically he answered no, to that question and i would tend to agree with him now there's gonna be some people out there who say well wisconsin's not competing for a national championship every year well come on that's just not realistic at a school like wisconsin to be in a national championship conversation year in and year out uh wisconsin has a chance every couple years i think if the schedule falls the way it does and. Uh, you know, the roster is an upperclassman roster and there's not many question marks and they stay healthy throughout the season, then they certainly do, but on a yearly basis, no. Um, what I think does need to be changed, and I wrote a story about this that's up on the website the academic process needs to be tweaked when it comes to the appeals. Um, you, uh, five years ago, according to Barry Alvarez and Paul Chris, when a student was denied admissions and you wanted to appeal, you could go through the the individual college first before you went to UW mission. So you could go to the college of letters and science and present your case. And the assistant coaches were more involved with that process. You know, these guys have, you know, vetted these kids. They have studied where their grades are. They have background of the kids, background of the families. That process brings a human element to it. While the process now is, You go to appeal, it goes straight to UW Missions, and UW Missions, what their job is, is to look at the piece of paper, look at their grades, look at their core credits, look at their test scores, ACT, SAT, SAT, so on and so forth, and they make their decision. There's very little human element room for dialogue in there. Um, Barry Albert did not have a, a good reason why the process was changed five years ago, but I think this process now with Jamil Kamara, but more importantly with Jordan Stevenson is bringing up that dialogue once again and making it a healthy conversation of how can we make this process fairer to the student athlete? Because the way it went down with Jordan Stevenson, you know, he was denied admissions because his test score wasn't high enough. UW appealed, UW missions looked at the test score again, and that was the decision. There was no talking with Chris, Chris, said he did not get a chance, you know, to go to bat for Jordan Stevenson with UW admissions. There's no human element to it. Test scores, they are on the piece of paper. That's it. So I think that's the more frustrating part. And I think that's the, the part that maybe fans don't understand of, of how the process works. I don't think UW should lower their standards, but I think that they need to change their appeal process to make it fair for this athlete. And each case is unique some of these kids that UW Missions is turning away aren't just really good athletes. They're high-caliber kids. George Stevenson is a high-caliber kid who would have been a great ambassador for UW, a great role model for UW, and probably a really good player for Wisconsin. Maybe a player that could have taken them to another level. And now, instead of not only do you not see him in your backfield on a daily basis, you're going to see him in your opponent's backfield once a year for the next four years. So um, it'll be real interesting to see if this process gets changed. Uh, Alvarez is hoping that it can be changed as early as this February for this upcoming recruiting class.
0: We're here with Badger Nations, Ben Wargle, And before I get to, to a question about Damari Simpkins uh, with his, his commitment to Utah, his verbal commitment earlier today, uh, on the same question, the same topic, were you surprised that you, you, you heard Coach Alvarez and, and kind of bring this up in terms of the appeals process? Because you've heard a lot of dialogue saying emissions hasn't changed in, in you, you know the year past year or so, or you know things are the same you know as they were before. But then all of a sudden you hear about this tweak. You know they're then talking about the, the, the appeals process itself. Were you surprised that they brought this up? Granted, they've kind of kept the same line being towed. I would say for the past year or so. I don't think they were hiding it.
2: Um, I, I think that this was just an, an opportunity where a lot of questions were, you know, being asked, and this was a high-profile case. I mean, when you know Sam Madden didn't get admitted, there was a little bit of backlash from you know the Madden family, but you know there wasn't any statement or any big you know brouhaha coming out from from Paul Christ and Barry Alvarez about this. You know, same with other guys like you know Ticadre Williams. Xavier Osborne, Devon Crookshank. I mean, they were just academic casualties. And then, you know, you got disappointed about it and you moved on. With Stevenson, because of his, just his notoriety, and because of where he's now going to play college football, this has become a big story because this was a top 100 kid. I think in the Scout.com number 300, he was like 84 so this this was a really talented prospect, one of the best prospects UW has ever signed, and yet they couldn't get him in because of admissions. So um, I, I don't think they were necessarily hiding it or towing the line. Um, obviously, that it, this problem with admissions and the kind of the back and forth with UW admissions has been brought to light the last couple of years because of Gary Anderson and his staff, um, their inability to understand how tough it is to get kids in the UW and how them taking flyers on some kids, some maybe some high caliber athletes but high risk academic type cases, and then UW mission saying no, you can't bring them in, and then Gary Anderson obviously leaving after two years to go to Oregon State, citing the academic, high academic uh, requirements at Wisconsin as one of the main reasons for him leaving, that really brought it to the forefront. And so you know, you look at this situation for Wisconsin, can it be improved? Absolutely. And I think that's what we're going to see going forward because of this issue.
0: And, you know, and then with that, you know, that we're talking some uh, about Damari Simpkins and, and, you know, some people thought maybe it'd be a one-two punch to, to help fill out the wide receiver position possibly with landing the speeds there out of, out of Hollywood, Florida. He took an was unofficial visit to Utah this earlier this past week uh, and then apparently that swayed his his commitment to the youths. Uh, what uh, I guess it, going forward with with the wide receiver position, what should Badger fans look for in terms of possible targets at that position? Uh, and in general for August, who anybody you know heading towards the beginning of the season, anyone that's on commit watch or any names to watch for Badger fans for possible commitments or even a official visits.
2: Well, Demari Simpkins' decision wasn't all that surprising. Um, you know, you look at, uh, well, I guess if you'd asked me a week ago, I would have said that it w- would have been surprising. He had a great visit to Wisconsin. Everything appeared to be going in that direction. But he had an unbelievable visit to Utah as well. He was out there last Thursday. And he looked at kind of the pros and cons. He sees himself having the ability to play early at Utah, earlier at Utah compared to Wisconsin. And I think that everything just kind of spoke to him a little bit better at Utah than it would at Wisconsin. So, uh, you know, one of those things, you know, you don't get everyone that you want, obviously. So you move on to who's next and you look at the wide receiving, you know, core, um, their core group that they've offered. uh, There's some interesting prospects there. Obviously you have your number one guy in, in AJ Taylor. Um, You have a kid in Malik Harrison, out of Walnut Ridge High School in Columbus, Ohio. That school should sound familiar. With uh, that school, sent a number of players up to Wisconsin. Uh, Austin Trailer being one of them. And he was on campus recently. Uh, you look at uh, a couple kids out of Illinois. Uh, Keldrick uh, Pryor. Um, I think I just butchered his first name. I apologize if he's listening. Um, he he was coming <laughs> up. To he took a visit recently to Wisconsin. I believe in uh, June. And he's probably going to come again uh, this fall. And uh, a kid who I really like out of Texas, named, uh, his name is Lil Jordan, Lil Jordan Humphrey, who's a four star athlete out of South Lake uh, Texas Carroll High School. Wisconsin likes him, likes him at a wide receiver spot. He's visited Wisconsin. He visited Wisconsin uh, this past month in July. And so you like kind of the direction that, that that's going for the Badgers. It's kind of down, you think, between Texas and Wisconsin. And the key for me and, and why I think Wisconsin has a good chance here is that Humphrey is very close with Jay Vali, the former Wisconsin defensive back. Jay Vali has a uh, gym in the Dallas Metroplex area and has trained Lil Jordan for, goodness, probably four, four or five years, something like that. So there's a good connection there, too. And, and Humphrey looks at Jay Vali as kind of a father figure, a mentor, and so for him to get offered by a school of, that, that his mentor went to, that means a lot to him. I think Cal's also in the mix, too. But, you know, Wisconsin made a good impression with him when he came up to campus, um, you know, during during the middle of July. You know, for August, you know, commitment watch, um, you know, n- no one's really popping on the top of my head. Uh, but, you know, there's a number of guys that want to make their decisions before the start of their high school Senior season, which has obviously come up for a lot of kids. Uh, you know, some kids you know might deci- decide in the next you know week or two weeks. Some kids might decide right before their first game. But a lot of kids now, if they've waited this long, are going to take some some official visits. And I think Wisconsin is going to be very busy in the month of September with some really talented athletes coming to campus to to check out the school. And you know, Wisconsin sits at 16. I think they can sign you know mid 20s. So looking at maybe between eight and 12 more spots. Badgers uh, badges are in pretty good shape right now, going into you know fall camp with where the scholarship never set
1: now, Ben, let's let's quickly talk about the the state of the team, the state of the state, so to speak. Um, you you got to cover those teams through the Anderson era. Now it's been early on to the Chris era. what's What are the differences? Is the field different? Because I'll tell you what. the first year, of the Anderson era, I got to cover a little bit of that, and it seemed like things were going great, and then last year kind of things went off the rails. But it's not necessarily a, he's better than this or he's better than that. But overall, what's your feeling on the way the team's buying into what Paul Christ is putting down? Well, I don't think there's going to be any change defensively. And I think that's a big you know, plus,
2: Wisconsin, to keep Dave Aranda around. I think that the continuity and what he's built from year one to year two was incredibly impressive. And especially for a group of players that was really recruited to play in the 4-3 you have a lot of guys that are still kind of playing out position and yet they had a you know a top twenty defense, you know, top ten in a bunch of areas too. And now you move from year two to year three and Dave Moran's fingerprints, you know, there's more and more fingerprints uh, on that defense and you could see the potential for that defense to be really good this year, especially with, you know, you return the entire secondary, you return a lot of players, uh, you know, in the linebacking core, your defensive line is young, but they're hungry, they're athletic. They've been practicing the three-four for a bunch of years now. Guys like Alex James, Chikwelibasi, Connor Sheehy, you know that's going to be an interesting group to watch um, in fall camp. I think obviously the big change is is going to be on offense because while Gary Anderson is more of a a fan of a up-tempo spread type attack, uh, he didn't want to you know reinvent the wheel too much at Wisconsin because Wisconsin can't recruit to that. Uh, They recruit to power running game, uh, power backs. And you look at, you know, what Gary Anderson tried to do with the little tweaks and nuances with Tanner McAvoy blew up in his face last year, probably cost them two games last year, uh, the LSU game and the game against Northwestern. Uh, Paul Chris is going to tailor his offense to his personnel and We've seen that when he was here. He saw, you saw know, the the strict pro style with John Stocko and Scott Tolzien. You saw with some spread elements with Russell Wilson and with Tyler Donovan. But you know, it seemed like Gary Anderson was trying to force the issue last year when clearly Joel Stave was the better quarterback, including that team, that personnel, was geared towards a pro style type offense. This year you have a fifth year quarterback in Joel Stave who was recruited by Paul Chris going into this camp more confident than he's ever been because he's not facing a quarterback competition. He knows he's been through it. He's 21-7 as a starter. He's won a lot of games for this school, and he's got a, a really good tailback behind him in Corey Clement, and he's got some wide receivers he feels very comfortable in with Rob Wilwright and Alex Erickson and you know Jazz Peavy stepped up. Crenwick uh, Sanders and George Rushney are good young wide receivers too. Uh, the big key for me who is going to step up on the offensive line. I mean, Wisconsin lost three seniors there a year ago, and two of their key players, Dan Volts and Ray Ball, both missed significant time in the spring. And spring is really where you build the continuity at each of your positions, and especially at the offensive line. And these five offensive line starters, who we presume are going to be Tyler Merritt at left tackle, Ray Ball at left guard, Dan Bolt's at center. Uh, I would guess Michael Dieter has a good shot, right guard, or maybe Walker Williams, and then Hayden Beagle, at right tackle. Those five six players haven't played together at all. So that's going to be the real key for, for me to watch. If that group cannot you know, have good chemistry, block well, you know, Paul Chris is going to have to start tweaking the offense a little bit to get a little bit more speed, some quick passes, and I think they have the personnel to do that. So to me, the big change will be on offense with Paul Chris, just because he has such a great offensive background, and he's led Wisconsin as the offensive quarter to some of their best offensive years on
0: record. And Ben, we thank you for coming on. One last question before we, uh, you know, before we head out, uh, or have you head out, I should say. Uh, any other big notes from from Big Ten Media Days? You were there last week. Uh, and you had a great article on Joel Stave for everyone that did get a chance to, to check it out. Go to BadgerNation.com, and it was a really good article uh, that you wrote about Stave. Uh, any, did you see anything out of him? Uh, really, you know, like some people commented on social media how he's like in certain interviews, he seems a little bit more relaxed. Did you see anything different out of Stave uh, heading into his, you know, fifth year senior year? Uh, and also any other stories that you saw out of the Big Ten media days?
2: Well, I, I think you just see that Joel Stave is calm, cool, and collected. Uh, I, I think you look at his career, there's been many peaks and valleys. And, I, you know, he's such a, a polarizing figure among among some fans. Some fans just can't stand him, and some fans absolutely love him. You know, He kind of reminds me of Trayvon Jackson or Tim Jarmis uh, from the basketball team, just because he elicits such, you know, Arguments are so one sided, one way or the other. And to me, the guy's a winner. I mean, he's twenty-one-seven as a starter, and granted, you know, the running game has helped in a lot of those games. But still, Joel Stave, other than the center, touches the ball on every play, and he's got to control the game. He's got to you know checks and reads and balances. And I think Joel Stave now, in Paul Chris' offense, if you would almost expect him to make a nice leap forward this year, and the schedule certainly. You know, presents itself where he could have a a great year, and he could leave this university as the school's all-time leader in wins. He needs ten to break Brooks Browning's number of thirty, and you know, I would be surprised if he didn't get there this year. You know, Corey Clement had a great quote. He says, "It's not so much me replacing Melvin Gorin, it's me just the uprising of Corey Clement." I thought that he is very competent. He's not cocky, but he is extremely. He is extremely excited to be the number one tailback of the University of Wisconsin. I had fun sitting down with him for a story that's up on the site. And The main notes for me, the main thing, Jake, for me that came out of Big Ten Media, I put in a notes package. You know, Michael Caputo, who's been one of the the best players, the best one of the best safeties in the Big Ten, talked about how awful his first start was as a redshirt freshman, how that kind of molded him into the safety that he is. Paul Chris talked about the Austin offenses. Of transfer which I thought was kind of unique uh hearing you know Paul Chris side of the story I mean we we don't know Austin Coffenses side of the story because he refuses to talk to anybody and you know Paul Chris basically said that he told Coffenses you know I wouldn't recruit you to play quarterback here at Wisconsin with your skill set and what I'm trying to do but I'm going to bring you in and I'm going to you know give you a shot and it was evident you know midway through spring that Alex Hornibrook is a much better fit for Wisconsin. And Paul Chris said, you know, it was important to have those conversations with defenses early. So he could figure out whether Wisconsin was the right fit for him and he could transfer sooner rather than later. So he wouldn't be stuck, you know, not playing for a couple of years. And he's going to obviously be at Nevada this upcoming year. And, you know, the other thing that stood out to me too, was, you know, we, we heard about the big, you know, Nike, Michigan apparel deal you now that's going to be a, for a ton of money, and obviously Wisconsin's deal with Adidas runs out at the end of this upcoming year. Now, there's been a lot of rumors that Wisconsin is going to pair with Under Armour, but Alvarez said that you know we're not going to make any announcement until you know until much later, probably next summer. You won't hear anything, or maybe even in the winter, because he says we're signed with Adidas through this upcoming year. We're going to honor that deal. And then we're going to kind of go forward from there. But he did acknowledge that the marketplace is becoming much, much more competitive with, you know, Nike showing up big dollars and Under Armor continuing to you know be that fast, fast rising apparel brand, cutting edge. Um, I would be very surprised if Wisconsin doesn't go with Under Armor. And I think that would be probably the big news going forward of, uh, how is Wisconsin's uniforms going to change? Are they going to be like Oregon and have a different one every quarter? I think that will be kind of unique to see if Wisconsin, a very traditional school, goes to a, a company that's really cutting edge and doing a lot of really sharp things.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Uh, hopefully not as uh, hideous as the Maryland uniforms, but that's just my personal opinion. But, uh, but no, that's great. And Ben, we just thank you so much for, for your time. Tonight, get some rest. Obviously, enjoy the time with the the, the family and the new addition. And uh, looking forward to seeing you personally. I'll see you probably next Sunday. Fall camp
2: starts a week from tomorrow, man. There's no time to rest. We got you know position previews. We got recruiting news. <laughs> I'll rest come next uh, April, whatever after the spring game.
0: You betcha. No, that that is most definitely true. And uh, make sure, like I said, check out Ben Worgal on BadgerNation.com.